Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hey everyone, hope you're doing all right today. Uh, I'm going to talk to you uh, about the cost of the table. So my name's Ben, I'm the youth worker at the Freedom Church. And uh, Sims asked me to do this talk, which um, I always feel a little bit stitched up. Uh, but for this, I just, I didn't feel like there was like an answer like coming to my head straight away. What is the cost of being at the table? What is the cost of being a Christian, living in Christian on community with, with lots of lovely people? And, and to be honest, it was hard for me to focus on what the cost is because the difficult bits of, of my faith, I like to bury. I like to pretend that they're not a thing. They're not always a helpful thing for me to imagine moving forward with my life. So it's taken me ages to just actually want to crack some of that out. So we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture today uh, and it follows on from the previous ones in our, in our kind of the table theme. But Jesus, in the last segment of scripture that we've looked at, Jesus has been talking about how there's going to be this, uh, this banquet, this party where uh, he invites loads of people to come and be present with God, to eat together and, and the people that are supposed to come don't want to come and the people that didn't think they were going to get invited get invited and it's, it's just cool. It changes the way that lots of people think about God. Uh, and this one guy, uh, it's in verse 15, so it's a little bit earlier than the passage we're looking at, but he hears that stuff that Jesus is saying about how uh, spirituality isn't what you think it is and he goes, oh, cool, great, this sounds amazing, I'd love to be involved. He kind of, if you think, I, d- I don't know how long you've been around, but if you, uh, if you imagine like a Del Boy kind of character, and he's kind of rubbing his hands together and he's going, cool, oh, this Christianity thing, this sounds pretty cushy, doesn't it? And you can imagine him getting all excited and, uh, and just being like, oh, this is cool. But then Jesus kind of wants to tidy up this thinking a little bit, because I think, I think being a Christian and, and being at the table and being in communion with God is a great thing, but it's, it's not like a bed of roses. So uh, here's a bit of scripture. It's from Luke 14, 25 to 35, and it says this. Uh, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around to them and he said, uh, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They'd say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down uh, with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace whilst the enemy is still a long way away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavour, how do you make it salty again? Flavourless salt is good neither for the manure pile or for food. It's thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
I think uh, a suitable paraphrase uh, for this passage would be, uh, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. I think everybody likes to be invited to a party or a meal. I think it's flattering, at least. Uh, and I can't think of many people that wouldn't want to spend time with the real-life flesh-and-bones Jesus at the table, having a chat with the Creator and being family with God. You see, we can't just join in with the feasty bits of the faith. Like, there's a lot more to Christianity than just the meals and, and just the kind of mountaintop experiences. Uh, we've got a cost uh, that we've got a way up, like it says in that scripture, uh, as to whether we can afford to follow Jesus. Uh, he's more than just nice, he's just. Uh, and that means he requires our whole lives just as he gave his to us. So, I remember the first time uh, when I understood enough of who Jesus was that I'd actually offer him up my life. I'd, I'd believed in Jesus for a long time. I'd, I'd kind of gone to church and Sunday school and, and that stuff. But there was a time when I kind of reached a crossroads with Jesus. It was a, a, a Christian festival and I'd listened to these stories of missionaries who were going off and doing some really cool stuff in the name of Jesus and they'd actually given up stuff to, to go and live actually a pretty hard life uh, and start sharing the word of Jesus in some really extreme scenarios and, and really paid a, paid a cost for it. Uh, and and that, that excited me. This God wasn't just like this random kind of quiet, far away thing. Actually, God's alive, living, supporting, like inspirational, actually changing people's lives kind of God. And that excited me. So in that moment, I went from a kid who was, goes to church sometimes uh, to being someone who felt like he was ready for the cost. So I got home and I uh, started to use what I knew of Jesus uh, to make decisions in my life. So I've got a couple listed down here. Let's have a look. Uh, first one, I came out to my friends as being a Christian. Weird. I don't know what they felt about it. Well, I do know what they felt about it. And then I got baptised, because that's something Jesus asked us to do. Uh, I gave up lots of evenings and weekends and holidays to do church stuff and to get involved in some events and uh, start sharing about Jesus. I started to share my money. Like I had little Saturday jobs and started to put aside certain elements of that because I thought that God might want to do some cool stuff with my money. Uh, I talked to people about Jesus, whether they wanted to hear it or not, because uh, I was just excited little zealot. Uh, and I made an unusual career choice. I knew I wanted to work in church uh, and to, to find a way of, of sharing the good news of Jesus. And I was going to change the world. Can you guess what the first thing to change in my world was? I'll tell you. My school friends started to take the mick out of me because I was weird. Like, every day they said mean things about me. I don't know if they always meant it, but I was never physically bullied. But they did make it known how unusual I was. Uh, as a... A 15, 16, 17-year-old, people who I thought were my friends or my teachers just took the mick out of me the whole time, baiting me into arguments, trying to trip me up theologically, holding me to a really harsh account of my actions. Gosh, it was exhausting. It's like, 
that's hard work. But like I listened to the, the stories of those missionaries that I'd, I remembered those stories of the missionaries and I remember the stories of Christians in the early church and I thought, well, yeah, it's not nice, but I think I think I can handle this going forward. Like it would have been really nice to just be able to stop then, but that's not what I was called to do. That's the cost of being in relationship with God uh, and being at the table. So I said, all for Jesus, let's keep going. I, don't, I think lots of people, and I think the kind of state of Christianity today, I think lots of people are kind of, kind of neglect to tell you really at the, at the beginning of your faith journey that actually it's going to be hard. You see televangelists or uh, yeah, an altar call or you go to Soul Survivor or, or, or that kind of summer stuff and you'll get all whipped up. Jesus is lovely. You should join in with Jesus. It's nice. Like, Jesus, if your life's a mess, Jesus will make your life better. Uh, and that's all true, but it's not the whole truth, is it? Because I think sometimes like being a Christian is really hard. So I'm, I'm trying to account for a little bit of that here. So the, the, the cost of, of being a Christian can hit home pretty fast, uh, to be honest, and pretty hard. So that would have been an ideal time for me to ditch my faith. I could have just cracked on with my teenage years, carrying on doing all of that teenage stuff. Not to say I was uh, completely clean of it, but I, I kind of knew my motivation uh, for, for trying my best for Jesus in that sense. Uh, there's another time that I found life, life really hard and the cost was uh, expensive to me. Uh, I was 22. I'd been working in a church for a little while. I was married to a lovely girl called Emily. Uh, and we were just working really hard uh, to teach some young people about Jesus. Uh, and one day, we're getting ready to go to church uh, and she just dropped dead of a massive heart attack. And despite the CPR and defibrillators and uh, the, the power of prayer, she didn't get back up. And it, I tell you right now, in those moments, it didn't feel like having a faith was, was cushy. It didn't feel like life was a bed of roses or a free lunch. I felt pretty exhausted. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Um, I... I didn't feel like I had much hope in, in so many ways. Uh, but I professed so publicly that I believed in Jesus and that I had a hope uh, in, in eternal life and I knew that Emily was a Christian and, and that there was more to life than just this really sad moment. Uh, so sure, I went, I went through the, the meal of, of grief and, and being upset, but I... It, that would have been a really nice point for me just to have a break from all the faith stuff because you don't, you don't want to be living a calling out when you feel like that. What I wanted to do was I, I wanted to move in with my parents, be a glum, what's it, play Xbox for like 24-7 and just be a fat and grumpy drunk. That's, that's what I thought I deserved in, in one aspect of my mind. But like... I knew that it was wrong to kind of disassociate from, from the pain of this world. Uh, and I, like, I wanted to carry the idea that, that actually God is a benevolent God uh, and he is in control of, of our circumstance uh, and our redemption and all that hope. Like I, I didn't want to leave that behind and although it cost me, I wanted to keep pushing forward. So, so I did. 
Uh, and, and I get to sit at Jesus' table, that's, that's the deal, but Jesus gets the best life I can offer in return. So. Sorry, I'm just unsticking my bits of paper. The reality of life is I, I'd love to be a successful, wealthy and real, tangible cash money sense. That's, that's something we all kind of like the idea of, I think. And in my case, like, I've gone through some stuff. Everybody goes through some stuff. But 15 years of being a successful and wealthy member of the kingdom of heaven looks different to that. Like, I get to know a lot of young people. Uh, and I get to do a lot of work on my character. And that seems to be, like, the best... the, the, the true sign of, of wealth uh, uh, and being rich in this kingdom of heaven, that we actually get to enjoy uh, the fullest parts of life uh, and we get to become more like Jesus. That's really the prize. Uh, so I'm, I can't deny God's been really good to me. I'm in good health. I have a great family. You saw my lovely wife singing on, on, on the worship bit a minute ago. Great job. Uh, and I, I'm a homeowner. Lots of people in this world aren't a homeowner, but I've been looked after in that way, and I've got some nice stuff. But sometimes deciding that God is good is the truth that I've had to choose for myself. I know it but it doesn't feel like it and I've had to choose that that's the way I'm going to live my life. I have to choose to agree with myself that, that God is good despite my circumstances. And the, the measure of whether I'm blessed isn't whether I've got a pile of nice stuff. The measure of whether I'm blessed is, is that I get to live closely with, with God and get to succeed through, through the trial and all the other painful things that life throws at us whilst kind of giving God the glory in return. So, back to the cost of the table. When I first started looking at this theme, and if you look at the backdrop, you've got all these lovely bits of food. Looks amazing, very Pinterest. Uh, and I think there's an element of kind of living at the table and Christian hospitality uh, that is literal food around the table. And some of it's a bit showy. Uh, and I think that actually the bit that Jesus really cares about is the heart stuff behind that. So for me, the cost of the table, the question isn't really about whether when you do your little Christian come dine with me, whether you can afford Aldi food or Waitrose food. The cost is about a real heart thing. And it's about whether you're willing to deal with disappointment and frustration of the circumstance in your life, or maybe you've got difficult guests, or maybe you're inviting someone to part of your life that you wouldn't normally, and that, that's costly. Like, really, the cost of being at a table with Jesus is that I'm constantly confronted by his perfect example, consistently falling short of it, and then having to remember that he's got a big heart and is full of grace for me. The cost of the table really is about the long slog of choosing to live like Jesus in the face of adversity and or what is fashionable. So here's some scripture. We're gonna, we're gonna tidy up with a couple of bits of scripture. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race of God, uh, the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. My hope for you guys is that you will have lots more meals around physical tables on earth before you join a heavenly banquet. That you would be an encouragement to each other and the others that you invite on this faith journey. Philippians 3, another bit of scripture. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I'm going to finish here. There's probably three groups of people sat here today. This is the three groups of people that came to mind when I was putting this talk together. Uh, are you the kind of person that is finding things difficult at the moment and you feel like you weren't or aren't prepared for the cost of the journey? Either whether you're just starting to follow Jesus and you're getting resistance or you've been a Christian for a long time uh, but you don't know if you have the hope or energy to deal with something that's really knocked you for six currently. Are you really not sure about what your faith is costing you? Maybe you're concerned that your faith has become a little bit more of a hobby and, and you want to seek wisdom on what living life as a follower of Jesus could look like in your circumstance. Are you that kind of person? Are you in that place? And, and the third kind of person is maybe you're weighing up the cost of starting to follow Jesus. Maybe you've heard a bit of stuff and you're like, that guy who I talked about at the beginning, that Dale Boy character, is like, well, this sounds pretty cushy, uh, and you think it's just super sweet, or uh, maybe you've only ever seen like the harder side of life and, and the slog, and, and that's putting you off. Um, but I, I want to, I'm going to ask Judith and Neil to pray a bit later on uh, that you might get a bit of reassurance and encouragement to move forward. So thanks for hearing me out, and uh, I'm sure I'll get to see you all again real soon. Bless you guys. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.